0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful
1: throw by the Baker! Victor job! Hasta la vista,
0: baby! Darks
2: Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your host, Jake Burns, not... Uh, not feeling so hot, so can't really record a full podcast. The voice isn't holding up very well and uh, feeling kind of sick. So just want to get something posted for you guys that maybe you missed. So I'm going to post the OBR's roundtable where we do preview the game from a bunch of different perspectives. Myself, Fred Greetham, Brad Stainbrook, Barry McBride. I'll give some perspectives through Corey the Host... And, um, yeah, I just wanted to have something out for you on a Saturday, so I want to share this with you. I know maybe not the content you're expecting, but sorry, man, it is, uh, it's a drag. The sickness has hit the house hard. Little notes uh, 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 that are worth paying attention to as the Browns get ready for Sunday. It seems as though Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb have been removed from the injury report, so they will go in this game. Richard LeCount, some sort of suspension for the week. Don't really have any idea what it is. Not many do. And then um, Donovan Peoples-Jones will miss this one as well. Denzel Ward will also miss. OBJ is a shoulder questionable. Clowney with his three ankle-groin knee questionable. AJ Green questionable. Malik Jackson questionable. And Tack McKinley questionable. We shall see who ends up being on the field. Seems like most of those are trending toward playing, but you never know. You really never know. Uh, For the Steelers, they're pretty healthy coming off a bye week. Eric Ebron has been rolled out, and Melvin Ingram is a groin designation, is doubtful to play in the game, so you will see a lot of Alex Highsmith. So the Browns get back their tackles now fully, well, as fully as they can be, and then get back their key running back, and then Baker Mayfield active to play. In this one, we will see how it goes. We have talked a lot about it. Otherwise, let's get over to the roundtable. I appreciate your guys' support. Hopefully you do enjoy and can start joining us on Thursday night. Let's get over to the roundtable right now.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
4: and welcome to the OBR roundtable for the matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm your host, Corey Gaudreau, and the Browns are coming off of a mini-bye week after a Thursday night game last week, which they sorely needed due to their injury problems. They look to get multiple starters back this week, including Jack Conklin and Nick Chubb. And the offensive line will be healthy for the first time since Jedrick Wills rolled his ankle in week one. Last Thursday, the Browns took care of the Denver Broncos 17-14 behind a breakout performance from Darnus Johnson. And they face another important game this week with their first divisional matchup against the last place Pittsburgh Steelers, a phrase many Browns fans will be happy to hear. To start off with our very own insider, uh, Brad Steinbrook, We're going to bring him on to the show. And Brad, we don't have the final injury report as of yet. We'll get that tomorrow. But we do have a few players that haven't practiced so far this week. So who's still hurting for the Browns currently?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Denzel Ward. Both of those players missed uh, Wednesday and Thursday with injuries. Uh, they have not practiced this week.
4: Excellent. So, uh, outside of those DNPs, there are a couple other offensive players that have been limited, uh, but look like they're on track to play. Uh, so, what's the word on Baker and the receivers?
1: Yeah. So, Baker, uh, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Langer, and Odell Beckham Jr. They've both been limited. All three of those, excuse me, have been limited this week. Um, you know, it looks like all three are going to try to play. But again, it is Thursday, so it's a little harder than uh, to read these situations other than a Friday. Uh, but you know, Jarvis told the media today he is he's intending to play on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so uh, it looks like uh, Jarvis Landry is at least going to play on those. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. he intends to play throughout that shoulder injury. He came back into the uh, he came back into the game uh, Thursday night, if you remember. And then he caught pretty uh, two clutch catches. Uh, so uh, it looks like all three of those players are going to try to play. Excellent. We'll look more about the injury report tomorrow when it does come out. But uh, other
4: than that, the trade deadline is also coming up on Tuesday. Any word on who the Browns uh, might be targeting, might be looking at, might be trying to uh, improve upon a couple of different positions?
1: Yeah, I don't want to say any specific names. I'll keep that one for Rumor Central subscribers only. Uh, but the Browns, I, I will say this, the Browns, it seems like they do have some interest in improving the roster. Um I just uploaded something about 20 minutes ago. Uh, so if you are an OBR subscriber, go check that one out in Rumor Central. And also, it looks like the Browns are uh, attempting to upgrade the wide receiver room. I wouldn't watch out for any big names, but it looks like they might be looking to add some depth in that position uh, as well. I was told Mac Wilson, uh, he's been mentioned in some trade talks earlier this year, but I'm told a trade involving Mac Wilson is unlikely at this point. Uh, that would happen, uh, by, um, by the Tuesday deadline. Also just want to circling back to practice. Uh, cause I missed this one. Uh, Richard LeCount, he's been out. He's also not practiced for two days in a row. Uh, he's dealing, this is uh, a mini suspension. The team has put on him. Uh, they're not going to disclose why, and I'm not sure why. Um, but he has been suspended for two practices in a row now, uh, Uh, It it looks like it appears like uh, the team is upset of something he might have done uh, possibly when the players had the weekend off. Anything else, Brad, that you're hearing from Berea? Uh, Just circling back to Donovan Peoples-Jones, it looks like I can't really say yes for sure. Tomorrow I will have the definite answer, uh, but it looks like Donovan Peoples-Jones is leaning towards being out versus the Steelers. Uh, That groin injury, the original tie line the team gave him was one to three weeks, depending on how he responds to treatment. He's been working on the sides both days uh, at practice so far, um, and he hasn't really ran on it yet. So it doesn't look like uh, the Browns uh, should have Donovan Peoples-Jones out there on Sunday. Like we had mentioned before, this is the first uh, divisional matchup
4: for the Browns. I believe they are the last team in the NFL to have a matchup within their own division. Uh, Looking at this matchup, how are you feeling about this one, Brad? Do you believe that this is something that the Browns are going to continue to have these Steelers stay in the bottom, or is this going to be a a battle for supremacy of the bottom of the AFC North?
1: I don't think that's the case. I think the Browns have higher hopes than, you know, finishing third or fourth in the AFC North this season. I think the Browns should come on top. Um, uh, Sunday, you know, stay tuned for our predictions. But I think, you know, Dearest Johnson, Nick Chubb, they should have Nick Chubb back. We haven't hit on that. I probably should have hit that on that. Uh, Nick Chubb returned to practice this week. Uh, he is going to play Sunday. All signs point to Nick Chubb playing. So, Nick Chubb and Dearest Johnson, who still will get a lot of targets or uh, carries, I should say, uh, after he had an amazing, um, you know, primetime game Thursday night.
4: Awesome. We actually had a, uh, uh... Question that came through from one of our viewers here live on twitch.tv from Kane Primer. Uh, Any interest in possibly adding a tackle? Maybe shore up that offensive line we've had some problems with.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting. The Browns released Alex Taylor today. Uh, you know, offensive tackle. It might just be because you know Conklin's back in practice now and is expected to play. He told the media he's looking to play as well. Uh, but there's also a report the Browns are interested in um, in a tackle. I haven't heard anything specifically. I sent out some texts. I didn't get anything back. But there's a report out there from ESPN that the Browns might have some interest in Andre Dillard uh, from the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Awesome.
4: Well, uh, thanks so much to you, Brad. We really appreciate it. Uh, As you said earlier, you can check out the rumor central on the OBR.com to uh, check out the piece that Brad just dropped about 20 minutes ago. And if you want to follow Brad for anything else he's got going on there on the internet, you can follow him on both Twitter and Instagram at Browns by Brad. Thanks so much for joining us, Brad. Yep. See you next week. Sounds good. All right. Next up, we have our very own film expert, Jake Burns. We're going to welcome on to the OBR roundtable, and he's here to talk about the very own Pittsburgh Steelers lowly at the bottom of the AFC North. Is that music to your ears, Jake, or what?
2: (laughs) Yeah, for the time being,
4: it it really uh, helps pick up the spirits, as they say, right? Yes, exactly. This is not typically the kind of conversation that we're having at this time of the year. You know, it's uh, coming in close into Halloween trick or treating season. Uh, Pittsburgh's at the bottom of the standing. So they've got a lot more glaring weaknesses this year than they usually do this time. They're this time of the year. They're usually looking at the playoffs, but uh, especially their offense this year. Really, really struggling. What should Brown fans be looking for from the Steelers this weekend? Uh, some key
2: indicators for the Steelers, um, to me, as I look through some of their data, they're high volume, 11 personnel team. So what I mean by 11 personnel is they're going to have one, uh, running back and one tight end and three wide receivers on the field. Now they have as good, a uh, quartet of wide receivers there as, as anybody in the NFL, in terms of going four deep, they rival the Cardinals in that regard, but Juju Smith Schuster is hurt. He'll be missing this game but they still have Deontay Johnson. They still have Chase Claypool, and they still have James Washington, and they like to use Ray-Ray McLeod as well. So they will continue their high volume of 11 personnel. They will sometimes sprinkle in some 12 personnel by having Eric Ebron and Pat Fryermuth, their young tight end on the field together, but most of the time it'll be Friermuth and then Najee Harris in the backfield, their running back, and that's a high volume for them, 74% of their snaps, uh, third highest usage of 11 personnel in the entire NFL. Uh, 281 snaps, according to our friends at Sports Info Solutions. Other tendencies, excuse me, they are relatively decent, uh, no huddle usage. They've had 26 snaps, which is about middle in the league. They continue to be a high-volume shotgun team, fifth-highest percentage of their snaps from the shotgun. We talked about this in the preseason, everybody going on and on about Matt Canada and how much he likes to use fly motion, different things like that, play-action elements that he But people forget to mention that, obviously, you have to have a quarterback who's mobile enough to get around all the time and do those things. Not that you have to be, you know, Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or any of those types of guys, but you have to be able to do it all year long and not skip a beat and be able to turn your back to the defense, drop deep, and throw. And that's not Ben Roethlisberger's game. He likes to live from the gun, so you will see them in the shotgun quite a bit. They don't motion a ton, only 136 motion snaps, 22nd in the NFL they don't play action a ton either, and this has been really the same Pittsburgh offense for several years late in Ben's career here, the 28th uh, lowest usage of play action. So you're really not going to deal with a ton of run-pass conflict in this game, okay? So you're looking at 50 snaps is all the more play action that they have used. And if you go look at the Cleveland Browns as not even the best barometer, but say go look at uh the Buffalo Bills, high-volume play action team, 84 snaps of play action. So, you know, you're looking at teams that, definitely step up to play action usage. Cleveland, as we can kind of compare, putting teams in conflict, Cleveland has run 70. So they've already run 20 more, and that only ranks Cleveland at number 21 in the entire NFL. So different form of offensive philosophy from the Steelers. This means the Browns will match personnel with a high volume of nickel. That means Troy Hill will be on the field. That means we'll probably, if he plays, see Malcolm Smith alongside... Anthony Walker inside. You will see less of Sione Takitaki and less of Mac Wilson because they will uh, be matching that personnel. The Steelers will go, like we said, 12 personnel. The Browns will match that with some base, but it won't be a very high volume of snaps in this game. Pittsburgh does love the highest tendency they have. Two of them, excuse me. RPOs, those run-pass option plays, they're second in the entire NFL running those, so they're giving their quarterback from the shock, and that's their form of play action, Corey. Is to give you a conflict at the at the mesh point between running the football or throwing a quick out or a quick slant. They like to do the RPO stuff, so that kind of gives them an uptick in terms of what the traditional play action numbers tell us. So second in the entire NFL in that, and um, the positive play percentage is not good among any of those things I was just indicating. I mean, if we go down the, the the motion, sorry, the list here: no huddle, shotgun motion, play action, RPO. Here's their success percentages in terms of their rank 25 28 29 29 29 so they're not playing very good offense they short drop back a ton 76 percent of their design pass plays are short drop back that's second in the entire nfl they don't do much designed rollout only design, nine design rollout throws 26th in the nfl middle of the road screen team 15th in the nfl in terms of screen game they like to run inside zone but they like to sprinkle in some gap stuff too to what they do from the shotgun uh, more more gap actually than zone. I apologize there. They're 11th in gap gap run percentage, but they get the light boxes. So when you have Najee Harris and you play a ton of 11 personnel, you get to run into those, those lighter boxes, right? They've run into those 63 times. What I mean by that, it's not a stacked box run. That means six or fewer. Sometimes most of the time they'll see five to get light run boxes. But even when they have had those, they have only had the 25th highest, highest positive percentage rank. So, Listen, this is not a very good offense. If you look at the right side of what SIS provides us here, the positive play rank is not good, not for very many categories whatsoever. So they're inexperienced up front. We'll start with the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, obviously a a player who has aged. He's seen great things in the NFL. He has done great things for his franchise, your opinion of him aside, but it is clearly the twilight. They're in the midst of trying to figure out who their next quarterback's going to be down the line. It's uh, it's never going to be the same for him. Najee Harris, nice running back and do both both phases out of the backfield in terms of being able to catch the football and run the football. But he is he is certainly not as uh, not as adept at, 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 at running from the shotgun as you would like your guy to be. He's more of a downhill runner, but he does the best he can, given the scheme. In the wide receiver position, Deontay Johnson, who led the NFL last year and dropped passes, has cleaned that up to an extent this year, is playing good football. He will be a real challenge for Greg Newsome, who I expect to be in for Greg, sorry, Denzel Ward, uh, as the primary cover corner to the boundary. Deontay will present a nice challenge. Chase Claypool is a very vertical receiver. He'll get downfield. I think Greedy will get him a lot of time, so Chase gets down the football field, down the sidelines. Ben has not been connecting with him. Ben is one of the lowest graded deep ball passers in the entire NFL this year. There has not been a very st- sound connection, but they will throw it. They'll put it up the sidelines. And, and, and if you if you uh if you can't if you can't play sound coverage, they're going to be able to draw some flags, right? So that's something to keep your eye on. Is how often are they trying to challenge these Browns corners into pass interference type situations? So keep in mind there. The offensive line. Not very good, uh, really not very good. They're playing with a with a patchwork group in their offensive line that that is far far from the uh, far from the norm for what you've seen for Pittsburgh for so so long. And this is the biggest issue with their team. They can't block successfully in either phase, and it's really hurting them. They have uh, a third round pick from twenty eighteen, Chiquimo core for Kevin Dotson, their fourth round pick, who's a nice player, but is not playing up to his normal. Uh, to normal levels they have not gotten out of Kendrick Green the third round pick this last year what they hoped they would he's actually playing behind J.C. Hassenauer at center they had signed Tree Turner who's been around the NFL for a while he's playing right guard and then J- Zach Banner is their listed starter at right tackle it is one of the worst offensive lines the Browns will get this year and they have to take advantage of that if they're going to find success so um The thing for Cleveland will be, can you defend deep throws without interfering? Can you make Ben Roethlisberger uncomfortable in the pocket? And can you continue to take away opposing run games? The Browns have really had only one team gouge them on the ground, and that was Arizona. Now, granted, Arizona also does some similar things that can make the Browns frustrated in terms of Arizona did some uh, light light box running, so they spread you out with a lot of that 10 personnel. Can Pittsburgh do the same? We'll see the Browns continue to shut teams down. They've only had two teams run for over 100 yards this year. and One was the Chargers where Justin Herbert contributed some yardage there on the ground. I think they held Eckler under 70. So I really only consider that Arizona game a game where they were really run on. But yeah, that's that's the element. If the Browns can make Pittsburgh one-sided, one-dimensional, you have a real chance. On the defensive side, two players are playing extremely well for that group. Cameron Hayward, playing phenomenal football for Pittsburgh. He's their interior anchor. He's their defensive tackle who bounces around between a four-eye. He'll play shade sometimes. He's all over the place. Uh, Former Ohio State product we know about Cam. He was a first-round pick in 2011. He's been around forever. Us at the OBR know how to to get his name right. Some around the market are struggling with that. So he's their guy inside. They will also play an Alabama grad sixth-round pick in 2019, Isaiah Bugs, and then they'll play Chris Wormley in there as well. Um, uh, sometimes rookie Isaiah Loudermilk will get some run out of Wisconsin, uh, and then it's the edge guys, right? It was, it was Bud Dupree last year, but this year Alex Highsmith has stepped in. Something's going on in Pittsburgh with Melvin Ingram; he's not playing. And if you pay attention to accounts over that way, there's some weird element going on with Melvin Ingram that I'm not totally sure what it is. But T.J. Watt has been phenomenal. He's been uh, really every bit as good as Miles. He's been producing game-changing plays and he is a problem, and he's always been a problem when the Browns play Pittsburgh as far as recent games go, so they will have to do their best with T.J. Watt. Now the inside linebackers, their inside off-ball linebackers, Devin Bush, we all know the first-round pick in 19, the Michigan, uh, the Michigan young man had been pretty good until, was really coming on until he tore his ACL last year. He has not graded out well this year. Joe Schobert, who we all know very, very well around here, was traded to Pittsburgh in the preseason. He has also not played very well. Uh, not producing the way he has uh, really been accustomed to from his Cleveland days. When he went to Jacksonville and now in Pittsburgh, he's on a sharp decline. He's number 93, too, so that's going to be weird for those of you who remember him. as a far different number than <laughs> than his usual, but he's number 93. So those are your two inside backers. Devin Bush not playing up to standard. Joe Schobert not providing the lift they hoped he would, stepping in for Robert Spillane. Uh, on the cornerback spots, this is where the secondary and hole as a hole is dicey. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is a phenomenal safety. He's had great career numbers, but he's having a terrible season this year. An under 40 grade. I think his coverage grade from Pro Football Focus is under 30. I mean, he's extremely talented. I'm sure there may be some struggles going on, but a very talented dude. And I uh, I don't foresee Minka continuing to struggle, but it'd be nice if he struggled one more time. Terrell Edmonds is another guy they've had around for a while. Their first round pick in eighteen, their other safety again, not playing very good football under a sixty grade. They let Mike Hilton go, so Cameron Sutton is the starting corner opposite of Joe Hayden. Both are playing below average to average football. They 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 run in um, as a, a a nickel a nickel corner. They'll run in Arthur Millette, who's inexperienced but been okay for them, and then they'll also play Trey Norwood as their dimebacker, kind of similar to what the Browns do with Grant Delpit. So, listen, this is not a very good Pittsburgh team. This is a team that is just accustomed to winning and have a culture of winning that carries them through some games that they have no business winning. They have their players some bright spots, but for the most part, Cleveland is the more talented football team with more experience in key areas and more talent in key areas, and they just have to do what they do best to win this game, and it's a home game you need to win to kick off the AFC North. I don't know if you guys have any questions. But that sort of gives you an idea of who the Pittsburgh Steelers are. They're a 3-4 defense. Uh, They do uh, a lot of of exotic coverages in the back half. They like to get a little crazy with their coverage back there, Uh, do more quarters coverage than anything else. And then they will blitz you from different angles uh, off the edge. They'll twist, stunt, they'll do some different things. But they really rely on their two outside guys getting home and Cam Hayward sort of crashing the pocket
4: from the interior. Now we've got a question that did come in from our chat here. Where do you expect or where do you expect them to target our defense on Sunday? Well, I
2: would expect them to challenge it the way they've challenged everybody, which is trying to push the ball vertically down the sidelines. But I mean, they're a mixed bag, man. They might try to go after the linebackers with some of that RPO stuff. I don't know. They're going to definitely try to get Najee going in the interior, but it's just It's just such a passive brand of football they play. If they get the running and going, I think
5: clearly in a little bit
2: have trouble whatever they really want to talk about. But for the most part, I just don't, I really don't see how uh, they they can establish and really push the yardage totals and push the points. So the good question, I just, I I, I truly, like they're the weirdest offense. I don't really have an idea what they're going to do. I think they're going to try to, like I said, Take some knocks downfield with press burrows, covers deep, but for the most part, they'll run some RPOs, they'll run some gun runs, but they don't have a real That's the biggest reason why this strong.
4: 44. Average catch of his is at the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, as you said, uh some uh strange offense that does come.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of checkdowns, man. If he can't push it vertically, he'll dump it off to his running back. And sometimes you can run simulated pressures at Ben, get him thinking he's going to get heated up, and he'll dump it off too soon, and you can take advantage of that stuff too. So it's just the Browns' defense needs to play a disciplined football game. They're better. There's not a doubt in my mind they're better, but they can't get caught having coverage busts, and they can't get overzealous and chase things undisciplined and get caught in a double move or something like that. So... Uh, just play your game, man, and trust that your athletic ability is every bit good enough to win this game on its own.
4: Great. Let's grab another question from our chat. They haven't run very effectively this year. Do you think we'll run some big D enter, and flood the underneath roots and tight ends? Um. So let me let me double check that. Do you think we'll run some big dinner? Which I'm hoping to have
2: one here in about <laughs> twenty minutes. Um. So yeah, they haven't run effectively. I yeah. I mean, I think they'll. I think they'll, they're, they're going to try to take advantage of flat routes. I think they're going to try to take advantage of places that the Browns' coverage is vulnerable, which is typically conflicting the curl flat area. Um, so I, I do think that there will be times where they, they try to take advantage of those people stepping up and rob coverage or those people stepping up to curl flat. Um, yeah, for sure. I, 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 I think they'll, they're, they're a high drop-back short throw percentage team. They're not going to change that. So can you get up and can you challenge them Closer in zone coverages, staying in you know cover three or cover four, whatever you want. But can you react quickly to the flat? I think that's a big part of things. That even last week with the with the Broncos, I didn't think the Browns did all too well. Even though they held them two twenty three, they could have been better there and really sort of uh tightened up a little bit and helped themselves. So the pass rush should be able to get home. The Browns just need to be able to take away some of those quick options, and and they can do it in their normal looks, their normal shells. But they got to react quicker at the second level of the defense.
4: This is uh, more of a comment from the chat, but I've got a follow-up question from it. I like this one. Uh, to be fair, they haven't faced a Joe Woods defense yet. I anticipate Joe playing 10 yards off the receiver, so Ben has some easy throws. Yes, I'm a bit cynical. So uh, how does the, the Joe Woods defense match up against this Steelers brand of offense currently? It should be fine.
2: I mean, it should be fine. Like I said, it's going to be about how quickly do their guys react to the flat, how quickly do their guys Take away those quick throws. Cause if you can make Ben hold on to the football for a couple seconds longer than he wants to hold on to it, he's not going anywhere. He's gonna pump fake in the pocket. He's gonna try to do things he used to do 10 years ago that he can't do anymore. So if you can get Ben to move off of his first and second read or make him make him feel pressure, he's going to A make a mistake or two and he's gonna take some sacks. So I have faith the Browns pressure can handle it, but you need the coverage to be an aggressive coverage in terms of getting up, challenging the ball being thrown to the flat, challenge the ball being thrown on stick routes, intermediate throws make Ben have to throw it downfield and then take advantage of your guys who are playing deep coverage, who should be in position to make plays. So this is really a, I would say this is, this is like a, it's a step above Texans and bears offense, but it's below Minnesota's offense in my opinion, in terms of sheer uh, cohesiveness and sheer talent. Um, But, but uh, it's not, it's, it's a step, I would say a step above Denver, but you're in that realm. You get what I'm saying? Like, They're not that good schematically, and they're certainly not that good from a player by player standpoint. This is a team, the way they're structured with an immobile quarterback with, uh, you know, receivers that aren't really great separators that the Browns should be able to handle pretty effectively.
4: Another question here from Riffer X in the chat. Jake, do you think they are going to or the Steelers are going to try to utilize Freermuth more this game?
2: Yeah, Pat's a good player, man. I liked Firemuth a lot coming out of Penn State. I thought he had a lot of talent. I hated that he came to the north, but uh, I do think they will. There's been an uptick lately of trying to get him into more situations to make plays for them. I would expect him to get seven targets or so in this game. I would think that they would challenge Anthony Walker. The Browns missing JOK would be an example here of where you're kind of hurting a little bit. But I do think Ronnie Harrison, and if they would elect to bring John Johnson or Grant Delpit on to cover him, in his area can handle him but it is about cohesively tying your zone coverage into where he is because i think i think ben is starting to get comfortable with him and in a heath miller sense the way Heath used to be his guy back in the day so they do need to try to keep a focal point on him and uh and try to limit uh, limit that connection and that security blanket that ben really likes
4: uh, so a uh, question here and a follow-up too. why don't the Browns run much RPO? Is it because they'd rather just run just dedicated run plays themselves?
2: Yeah, they're, they're not really built that way. They tried to do a lot of it in 2019 with Freddie Kitchens and, and Todd Monken, and it was an abject disaster. Uh, their quarterback's really not built to handle it, or he didn't handle it well in 19. And this offensive structure is is certainly not geared toward it. They did run a couple last week. I was pleasantly surprised by that, but they'll they'll not they're not going to run, you know, seven or eight any given week. It's just it's just sort of not who they are, not who they want to be and their their play action game is built more from under center and you don't see run, you know, RPO stuff from under center. It's just impossible to turn your back to the defense and and sell it. So they're an under center football team more than a gun team. If you're a gun team and your quarterback always is facing the defense, you're obviously going to run a higher percentage of of RPOs, right? Like that's, that's, uh, <laughs> it just makes logical sense, but I, am not sure. I'm trying to check real quick. I don't, I don't know what the Browns, I think the Browns are in the late twenties in terms of, yeah, shotgun percentage of The Browns have only run 217 shotgun snaps, which is 30th in the entire NFL. So it's not who they are by nature.
4: Awesome. Uh, another question here from the chat, uh, from K primer, the Browns used quick reads in the playoffs against the Steelers last year. Does that bode well for Baker, uh, Baker in a uh, return this week?
2: It should. It should. I think they can still isolate showbert. I think they can isolate uh, Devin Bush in coverage if Jarvis plays and plays in the slot, and if you can get Odell in the slot too and use those guys on the interior, I think you have a really nice chance to uh, give Pittsburgh some fits at the second level. So I do think the plan will be from Kevin and his offensive planning group get the ball out of Baker's hands quick so he doesn't take many shots on that shoulder, and he's also been more accurate to the shorter portions of the field too. So, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment.
4: All right. Any uh, final thoughts about this first uh, AFC North matchup for the Browns? Again, not quite the situation you usually see. Browns uh, ahead of the Steelers in the in the standings this late in the season so far. Yeah,
2: I think this is going to be something we're going to get used to, though. I don't. I don't know where Pittsburgh's going in the future. There's no reason to lose this game. The more I look at it. You're at home there's really no reason to lose this game you have to win you have to go to minimum three and one over your next four to be in the right position and they're getting some people healthy uh they're obviously going to play their starting quarterback and they need to win this football game that's kind of my only thought it was no matter what it took to win last week right with denver and all the replacements find a way to win i think it's the same mantra this week with pittsburgh coming in find a way to win i don't care if the score is seven to three you just got to find a way to get it done, and I think they can. Uh, I think they can get this one done, and they should. The, the expectation is that they should win this football game, and I think that's fair.
4: All right. Before we let you go, Jake, let the people know where they can find you on Mondays for film breakdowns, and and for the new time for a new show on Tuesday or new, old show, new time Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, we'll do Tuesday chalk talks. Those will be up
2: at seven o'clock. We we'll have the same three people on. We're going to try to rotate the content. To take a look at some other things than we traditionally do. Kind of getting a little little mundane there. So we're going to try to, to tweak that. But that's Tuesday Chalk Talk. So we'll have that as usual. And then, you know, uh, all 22 scouting notes come out midweek. And then uh, usually we'll have an article up Monday or so. So, yeah, check it out there. You guys know where to find me at this point. If you don't, I'm sorry. You're probably best off
4: anyway that way. <laughs> well, we're glad we, can, we uh, know where we can find you, Jake, as always. Appreciate your insight. Have fun out there tonight. No problem. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Jake. All right. This is a reminder to everyone. We do post these on uh, YouTube, but we record them live here on Twitch.tv. And a great way to be able to support the OBR is uh, subscriptions here, right? On twitch Twitch.tv. Uh, give you a bunch of cool emotes. Great way to be able to support a number of shows that we do here on Twitch. So if you like to see these live shows, uh, awesome way to be able to support the site. And also at the OBR.com. Also be able to subscribe there to a number of great articles, like we mentioned a few earlier today. Uh, We've got Brad uh, at the Rumor Central and a number of other pieces of content from people like Jake Burns, Cody Sook, uh, and a few others that we've got as well. I believe right now we're looking to pull in Fred at this point. Give me just a moment as we see, we can uh, pull on uh, Fred's, uh, the OBR's beat reporter. And we've got him live here. All right, perfect. Hey, Fred, how's it going? Hey, Corey, what's up? Not too, too much. Fred, we just talked the other day a little bit about the upcoming injury report, but for, hey, all the folks that are here and we're talking uh, for the first time this week, uh, what are your thoughts upcoming here? Steelers versus Browns, first AFC North matchup for them.
5: Well, I think that it's the key to the season. I've said it all along is that winning the AFC North to me is the sure trip to the playoffs, you can't count on anything with wild card like they did last year. And because the AFC North games start, you know, almost here, they have 10 games left, six are in the AFC North. So it's really going to go a long way in determining who wins the division. Um, Obviously, the Bengals are much more formidable than they might have appeared you know, going into the season and the Steelers are are playing well. And of course, the Ravens. So those six games are going to be very tough. I feel that the Browns have to win four of the six, at least to control their destiny in the AFC North. And I think that starts this week. You know, they have a, <clears throat> a big game with the Steelers. That organization never seems to be down. They always find a way to be competitive and and uh, I think that'll be the same way this week. It's a very strong defense. And uh, so I look for the Browns to try to get off to a good start, starting Sunday.
4: Absolutely. The Browns uh, offensive line, we said getting a couple of reinforcements, but earlier we had kind of alluded to the uh, offensive line for the Steelers not exactly what they're looking for is that something that the Browns are going to be looking to attack specifically and how may they be able to uh, attack something where you know you've kind of already uh, a known quantity of a, a weaker offensive front
5: well you know going into the season they you know, really had a lot of uncertainty on the offensive line. They lost Marquise Pouncey, the longtime Pro Bowl center, retirement. They lost Filer, free agency, uh, Villanova to free agency, DeCastro. All the names over the years that have been the Steelers' offensive line all kind of vanished at once. And they got two rookies, a Dan Moore at left tackle, a Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, Trey Turner. And Okafor, um, not household names, but they've been playing better lately. I think that's really where the Browns need to attack and try to um, you know, not not give Rothelsberger time to to throw the ball down the field. He's gonna try to throw the short intermediate and gets rid of the ball quickly. So I think this is another opportunity for the front tack McKinley, Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett to go get, you know, the quarterback. He's not as elusive as he used to be, but he gets rid of the ball much quicker than maybe he used to. So yeah, I think that's an area that, that they hope to exploit on, on the Steelers offense because they got some good receivers, got a great back. They like to get it to him out in open space. And, and so I just think that in the trenches is where the Browns, you know, have to make it happen.
4: This be a, a good week for it. Since the Browns are finally getting back to full strength in their offensive line, that, definitely is a very much of a known strength for Cleveland, but really how much does it mean to this team on the offensive side to have this unit at full health?
5: I think it's really under the radar going into this game. These five starters, you know, we're talking Jed Wills at left tackle and Joe Batonio and JC Treader and Wyatt Teller and Jack Conklin only lined up and played against the chiefs together. You remember Wills got hurt, and he was kind of banged up, had to come out of that first game, and he's been kind of limping along ever since. Conklin's missed the last two games with with a knee injury, and Wills and Conklin are both completely back, and so you got the five starters that you really, you know, intended to have all along leading the way. Nick Chubb coming back, he's always had good games coming off of injury, and we saw what Dearness Johnson did last week. <clears throat> so I don't think you're going to miss a beat. You're leading the NFL and rushing and you've, you've juggled your lineup. You've had Chris Hubbard. You'd have Blake Hans at two different positions. You'd have James Hudson. And so really you got the, the mainstays that you brought in your offensive line are back and, and the Steelers have, you know, a good front in TJ Watt and Cameron Haywood, but, they've got a couple injuries there that they've, they lost Vince Williams. They lost Stefan to it and they lost Tyson. Alleluia, I think is how you say it. And they haven't played this year. And and so those interior positions I think are vulnerable and the Browns can really, you know, go at them and with Chubb and Johnson and, and that offensive line. And I just think wear the Steelers defense down.
4: Certainly a lot of signs pointing to a Browns victory here. Steelers, uh, a lot more questions, I believe. But uh, what's worrying you about Sunday, Fred? What could potentially go wrong for the Browns?
5: Well, the offense, you know, it's a little unsettling that you don't really know what you have with Baker Mayfield. You know, I'm getting a strong impression he's going to play. I saw him practice yesterday and today, at least in the individual you know, Times, Alex Van Pelt said that he he thinks he felt pretty good after Wednesday's practice. And that's what last week he practiced on Tuesday, but he had swelling on Wednesday. And that's ultimately why he didn't play against the Broncos. This week, he said he's feeling good. At least Van Pelt said he thought he was. We haven't talked to Stefanski since before practice Wednesday. So we get to talk to him tomorrow after practice, and we'll probably find out at least, you know, what the tea leaves are saying. But I'm saying Mayfield, I think, it's going to play. But it's just, you know, what are you getting? Are you getting, you know, an 80% Mayfield, 90%? Um, Because they're going to come at him, and you don't know even now how long he'd be able to last. You know, he talked about his shoulder dislocating a couple times. One time he wasn't even hit against – you know, the Cardinals. So there's a lot of questions there. Or will they just go with Case Keenum? And I think they're going to try to do the similar things, control the clock, control the the game with the offensive line and the running backs like they did against the Broncos. But I think the Steelers have a much better defense than the Broncos do. And so the offense is going to have to score some points. They're going to have to keep Mayfield or Keenum off the ground. And the turnovers, you know, are always key. And, you know, with T.J. Watt, you know, coming in, that that's imperative that the Browns win the turnover battle. And I think that more than anything, whoever's quarterback protects the ball and goes down, protects the ball or throws it away and, and not, you know, have the strip sack fumble that we saw against the Cardinals. Those two were game changers. and And so I think that's what their offense, I want them to take care of the ball, and I think they'll be in good shape if they do so.
4: Fred, do you have any final thoughts or keys to the game to look out for on Sunday? Well, I think
5: I talked to Jarvis Landry today, put up a story on the site, and the the players, the Alex Van Pelt just said that, you know, he just, you know, his nickname's Juice, Jarvis Juice Landry, and Van Pelt, you know, said that, Juice is the guy that juices up the offense. And one of the reasons they like to get him the ball early and often is that just seems to get everybody else going. If you didn't notice last week, the first play of the game after he returned was to Landry and four of the like first 15 plays were to him, he didn't get much the rest of the game, but it it got, it got the flow going. And I think that he's a key. I, I mean, he really, um, gets the offense and the rest of the team fired up. So I think it's a good sign. He said he's definitely playing. He's He was listed as questionable or limited the last two days, but he practiced today. He didn't practice yesterday. So I think he's going to play, and I think that they're in pretty good shape. The only three not playing today or practicing were Clowney, Ward, and Peoples-Jones, all three key guys. But I think Clowney will play. Joe Wood seemed to indicate he thought he would. The only two that I don't know about would be Ward and Peoples-Jones, which will be blows on each side of the ball. But I think they're in pretty good shape health-wise, all things being considered. And I think this is one they can they can get done. It's one they need to win. They need to get off to a, a fast start in the AFC North. And I think they will. I think it will be a tough game, but I but I think they'll be able to do it.
4: Fred, a pleasure as always. Thanks so much for joining us. You can check out the Berea Port live on the OBR.com right now. So you can see some of Fred's work he had mentioned just a moment ago. Thanks again, Fred. Thank you guys. All right. And lastly, we wrap things up with the publisher of the OBR, the web dork himself, Barry McBride. And Barry, uh, this is normally, we kind of call this going around the AFC North. Uh, However, this week, uh 50% of the games we just went over the Ravens are on a bye and uh the Bengals are playing against uh the New York Jets of the uh, minor league division so nothing <laughs> really uh to talk about there so uh I, but there's really uh, a, a little bit of uh some some dirty rumors going to kind of going around being sure. spread that
6: you've uh, you've you've gonna
4: kind of been hearing about
6: Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, this time of year, uh, one of the key articles that sites looking to get clicks will put out are, you know, things like three daring trades the Browns need to make, you know, or, uh, you know, the Browns have to go out and get these five players. Right. So uh, I went around and, and looked at that. Uh and it turns out that these articles are written for the Browns specifically, uh, like they are every other team. I think there was an editor there demanding, you know, 32 different articles about trade bait. Um, and so you know, these things are page you catnip. And so I went around and and, and looked at a couple of them. Um, most of them are based out of one of two things. Uh, one is that the Browns entries are worst case. Uh, especially Baker Mayfield, because quarterback trade rumors are great. Uh, and, you know, the team's roster is considered to be one of the better ones in the uh, in the NFL. So it's kind of hard to pick out a lot of weaknesses you're going to trade for. Uh, the other case is that uh, if the player's name rhymes with Model FM, uh, they uh, uh, tend to get a lot of stories written about it. But let's talk about one specifically that came up during Brad's segment today, and that is Andre Dillard. And this one has a little bit of momentum to it. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the there's a lot of good things going for this, right? Uh, he's an, uh, Andre Dillard is an offensive tackle. He was considered to have a lot of promise. He was drafted at position number 22. Andrew Barry was part of the Eagles' front office when they drafted him. So one assumes that Andrew Barry likes Andre Dillard and might still see some promise in him. Uh, the problem is, when you read all the articles about Dillard in particular, um, they always say, well, the Eagles are not necessarily looking to trade him, but he can be had for the right price. And that's the sticking point right there. What is the right price? for an Andre Dillard. And it has to be the right price for the Eagles, who are looking for, you know, pretty good return, and the right price for the Browns. The question I would have is, why do the Browns want to pay a stiff price for an offensive tackle when Blake Hans has done relatively well and James Hudson is basically the starting right tackle and waiting, you know, not necessarily this year, but, you know, a future prospect that we're going to invest in and uh, bring up the curve. it it makes no sense to me. And I, I, I think that the most profound thing about it is that if the Browns were going to pull off this deal, why wouldn't they have pulled the trigger a couple of weeks ago when things were at their bleakest, you know, with Hubbard gone, Jared Wills, not playing Jack Conklin, not playing. It would seem to me that that would have been the time to, you know, load up on offensive tackles, but um You know, it's a possibility. Now, when I was talking with Fred uh, last night, uh, we talked about the Browns roster, which is still considered to be one of the best in the NFL, despite the 4-3 and record. And I asked Fred, um, which unit has disappointed you the most, right? Um, You know, linebackers, running backs, whatever. And Fred very quickly said the secondary. And it's really hard to argue with that, Uh, this year uh, with all the investment that's been made in the secondary, the first round draft choice, the John Johnson signing, the return of Grant Delpit, uh, Troy Hill, just not uh, producing like we thought they would. So a trade that makes sense to me, you know, is probably the area of the greatest weakness right now for the Browns, which would be in the secondary, you know, some veteran help, some, uh, you know, giving Denzel Ward, uh, a, uh, uh, proven compatriot there. Uh, and in addition, because of Ward's injury history, uh, maybe a little bit of depth would help out. So you're not relying on basically, you know, greedy Williams and a rookie, uh, at the cornerback position. So I went around looking for some of the rumors for, uh, cornerbacks and in, uh, in secondary help, And there's some out there that make sort of sense. Uh, Marcus May, uh, the Jets' safety, the Jets might be in a selling mood. Uh, that might make some sense. Uh, Kyle Fuller, uh, the cornerback uh, from the Broncos, that might make some sense as well, given their, you know, his financial situation. Um, one I looked up was a site called Clutch Points, uh, which is a sort of a sports blog that uh, tries to make every news item the worst possible to get attention. Like they would have gone nuts Last week, and they probably did on Jeffrey Will's comments about Case Keenum and Baker Mayfield, right? And tried to turn that into a sort of a a controversy, right, to get people to check out the article. They have uh, the trade for the secondary being Joe Hayden from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Returning home, (laughs) I thought this was interesting. Yeah, returning home, you got that. He's still very popular. You know, Browns staff, Mm. you know, still loves him but uh, I cannot see the Pittsburgh freaking Steelers at three and three, trading a quarterback to their biggest rival, right? Uh, I'll leave it to others to debate how much joy is left in the tank, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are at three and three and don't exactly consider themselves out of the running this year. Even if they weren't rivals, these two teams met last year in the playoffs and it's not totally absurd to think that that would happen again. And, uh, you know, as a result, This is a non-starter. And if you look at a lot of these trade proposals, they're very similar. They have us getting somebody from the Buffalo Bills. Well, Buffalo Bills got to think that the Browns might be waiting for them in the playoffs, right? Why are they going to improve our situation unless we dramatically overpay, right? So a lot of them, if you just do analysis, just doesn't make uh, a lot of sense. Uh, And I would say that's the case with these first two. Dillard, I might still hold some, you know, a slim possibility, but doesn't make sense to me for a number of different reasons. So that's my recap of some of the trades I've seen out there. There are, there are more if you want to go into more, but I figured those two would probably be most relevant to our listeners.
4: Yeah, I think the closer and closer that we approach to the trade deadline, the more the plethora of ones that we are uh, going to continue to see. So uh, just wait till you start seeing the uh, Mac Jones for uh, Baker Mayfield trade rumors. which you see some of those. Those are pretty good. So, all right, Barry, uh, but to the game this weekend, Steelers versus Browns, any thoughts or predictions? You've kind of heard it. What everyone else has had to say this evening.
6: Well, I'll have my prediction out there, uh, tomorrow. Uh, I wrote it up today, uh, along with my player to watch. Uh, the only prediction I'll make for sure on the Steelers game is that I will be at old river tap and social on Sunday afternoon at one o'clock. Uh, we'll have our pregame show or post game show. Uh, we'll do it all from old river. And, uh, I'd love to see you there if you're watching this and want to come join me and, uh, cheer ourselves hoarse for the Browns uh, against the dreaded Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday.
4: And if you can't make it in person like me, unfortunately, a bit of a drive, uh, you can turn, tune in virtually right here at twitch.tv slash the OBR underscore Browns. So uh, for Barry and for Fred and for Brad, Jake, everyone else here at the OBR, thanks for joining us for another roundtable. We'll see you at the Old River Tap for the game on Sunday.